Hey guys, welcome back to a long-awaited episode of Active Duty Hunter with Lance Bergeman and Andrew Piercy. Andrew Piercy again, uh, finally. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Uh, so uh, we've been away for a while. We've uh, between the COVID outbreak and turkey hunting here in southern Idaho, which uh, uh, yeah the non-existent turkeys in idaho they don't exist here no they no no at least no gobblers anyways so plenty of hens but maybe it's just they've uh, evolved to all look like hens so that they don't get shot but i don't know that's just a theory of mine so so turkey hunting uh that took up a couple weeks um here and there on our time off with the COVID. And then uh, about two and a half weeks ago, I had a pretty good slip and fall, busted some ribs, and I uh, got some stitches in my arm. So that was a pretty exciting little event that kept me out of commission for a solid week. And now I'm finally recovering to the point where I can start to do things again. Definitely not able to work out again, but so that's really put a damper in pre in my preventative workouts and whatnot for hunting season. So hopefully I'll be able to get back into that here pretty soon. What have you been up to, Andrew? No, just just life. Working the crazy schedule and trying to, you know, prep for hunting season and get you know, there's so much involved in that too, you know, with the house and the the cars and you don't want a pile of work to do after you've done a pile of work so absolutely yeah definitely trying to get everything straightened out so that when you're gone for weekends out hunting exactly everything's taken care of the honeydews done and the things that you've been meaning to do done yeah absolutely I, i i'm pretty sure i got a a stack of boxes out in the garage right now of parts and pieces of stuff that I'm supposed to be maintaining on the vehicles, but I haven't been able to. So I definitely need to get all that done by uh, hunting season. So I'm not leaving the wife with no vehicle here. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's difficult. I'm going to go, go fishing this weekend. Uh, I haven't started the fishing boat yet this season. And then (laughs) that's a whole nother pile of work that they took the weekend. You were supposed to go fishing. So, yeah. 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 No. Um, Definitely need to get out and do some fishing. It's uh, beautiful weather we're having here in Idaho. Um, I got a uh, one of our other buddies that we work with. He's been doing a lot of fishing lately, um, getting into fly fishing. And uh, he found a spot where he's been pulling the smallmouths out like crazy with a fly rod. So that sounds like a, a pretty good sounds time. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, absolutely. He says they're fighters too. So, oh, small mouth. They're angry little guys. Yeah. <laughs> you get that chihuahua syndrome. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Well, um, so that's, that's sort of what we've been up to just sort of trying to catch up and keep busy here and there with, uh, what we can, but, uh, uh, let's see what else have we been doing? Um, waiting for uh, draw results. 
Draw uh, results. Draw results. Draws. Yeah, Late they're gonna now. they're gonna be coming up here probably in the next few days. Which we should be hearing hearing back for our uh, draws here in Washington and or not Washington, Idaho and Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. So so that'll be nice to see if if we're lucky enough to draw something. If not, we'll be plenty busy with all of our over the counter. I know I. I put in for that moose tag here in, in Idaho and I was kind of stressing about it because I was like, man, that's, that's a pretty tall order throwing moose hunt on top of all the over the counter tags here. I'm, it's going to be a busy, busy month. So when I didn't draw it, it was kind of bittersweet that, uh, like, yeah, you know, kind of sucks that I didn't draw it, but at least I've got a little bit extra time to hunt the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get get one this year. Next year, we always just plan a trip to Alaska. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, the the more I research it, the more feasible I see it is. You know, there's a lot more people doing those backcountry hunts up there, sort of the self guided ish uh, hunts up there, and you can get you away know, with it. Fairly it's cheap. obtainable, and people are, you know, you, there's so many resources to figure out how to go about it but so many people do it. It's Absolutely. very obtainable. You know, it's just not for residents up there. It's everyone hunts in Alaska if they want to. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to talk about Alaska a little bit? Um, I know you got sort of the inside scoop on, on Alaska a little bit more than, than I do anyways, cause I haven't really done a whole lot of interest. You, know, you can talk about Alaska. It's, you know, one of those, <sighs> It's one of those topics you you could talk about talking, but you could talk about <laughs> hunting in Idaho, and you can fill up a couple days worth of conversation. So we should probably so we should probably save that topic for when we're actually going to do it, or <laughs> yeah, well we probably should. I. I'll say this, I'll touch on, on Alaska has so many different opportunities and they're all one after another, after another. How, how about, how about let's, let's glass over real quick, the military side of it. So what kind of benefits would a military member have? Uh, station there, you have all the same benefits as a resident. Okay. So um, I'm not sure about, completely sure about non-resident military but i do believe there is a discounted rate i believe i'm not sure i'd have to look it up okay so but for an active duty member that is there during hunting season it's perfect because there's not a lot going on there's not no one's pcsing around hunting season there aren't really that many deployments going out at least on the air force side so your time is pretty well spent right there. And if you think about it, August, September in Alaska, you're starting to wind down towards winter. So you've already put up the, the barbecue and all that stuff. So you're ready for something new. So it's a perfect transition. You're not trying to balance between summer and fall. It's basically summer, then hunting season, then winter. Fall's kind of a moot point. It's the same in the spring. You have winter fishing season, then or salmon season, and then summer. Gotcha, so. gotcha. So there's always something to do there. 
there's always something to do. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll go into that a lot more in depth. Uh, maybe we'll just do a do a full episode on it. Oh, uh, maybe maybe this next year, or maybe during this summer when we're bored and we're out of stuff to talk about, we'll talk about Alaska. We'll do some research, do some digging on it. Try to yeah. Try to, there's try a lot to, to talk about. Just try to, to go off the cuff is m- hard. Maybe put a theory together on how we would do it, and uh, especially since you're still a resident and I'm not. Uh, we'll see how that the difference is uh, for resident, non-resident, military members, and then uh, so then our listeners can have a, a little bit better idea of what they're getting into with an Alaska yeah. hunt. So, but uh, all right, well let's. Uh, I guess we could talk about sort of the the more immediate hunts here. Um, Idaho is. Uh, they have expanded wolf season here in the state of Idaho. Uh, this year, they bumped up the tags per person to 15 tags per person, which is insane. That's insane. But I think what they what their idea behind it was is they're not. They obviously they don't expect everybody to get 15 wolves because most hunters won't ever see a wolf in the woods. No. So you have to be looking for them. You got to know how to find them. And uh, so the success rate on actually hunting wolves is very low. So I think they, they just bumped those up to where the hunters that do know how to find them and do know how to hunt wolves can get 15 tags and help control that population because wolves are a very difficult species to hunt. They're very smart. They're very intelligent. So, so they bumped up the tags to 15 and then at least down here in uh, the hunting units where we hang out, um, they've actually made the season year round. There is no season per se. So that is very beneficial for conservation, especially when you're thinking about alpha predators like that. So it really is. It gives you a little bit more opportunity to go out there and maybe the hunters that didn't see them during September when they were out there in the woods hunting, they have all summer, like in your downtime, if you're not out fishing or whatever, you can be out hiking around, shed hunting, looking for wolves, whatever. So it gives you a lot more opportunity. But, uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of one of the big things. Um, and I'm gonna probably try to get out. I've I've got two tags. I don't expect to fill both of them because I personally have never seen a wolf out here. But you know, I've, I've I've heard them, but I have never seen one. Yeah, and you know, I was looking at the fishing game stats on it, and they're they're showing that there are quite a few down here, even in the southern units. It's just there. Hey, they they've tagged them. Yeah, they've tagged them. They've got them on uh, on game cams. Game cams. Yeah. So, uh, so they've they've uh, they've been tracking them. There's quite a few here. It's just they're very smart, very smart creatures. So, so I mean, I guess you know when you're thinking about an animal like a wolf, like obviously we can get tags, but they just bump the tag limit up to 15 per person. What's that going to do to the elk in the mule deer population if there's 
enough wolves for them to warrant that. Exactly. It, you know, obviously they're they're producing, they're reproducing, and they reproduce quite fast. I mean, yeah. pretty much the same reproductive time as a dog. Mm-hmm. So very quick. So how many wolves are we now looking at just in Idaho? Yeah. That, it, that are going to impact our hunting seasons as hunters, not as prey. Absolutely. And, you know, this year, this year altogether has really, you know, it's thrown a lot of cogs in the wheel as far as what we can expect out of the next year, two years out of hunting. Because for one, we had a really mild winter. So our calf and fawn uh, survivability rate was nice and high. So we had a lot of, a lot of young animals make it through the winter. So that's going to, that's going to help our populations for the next couple of years. Um, however, also that's going to increase the survivability of wolf pups. So their populations are going to explode. And then due to this COVID, we had pretty much a shutdown of fish and game where they weren't selling any non-resident tags or licenses at all uh, for those yeah. few months. So I'm, I'm curious as if that is going to affect the amount of hunters out in the woods uh, this year. So whether those people that got shut out during the COVID, are they coming in after everything opens back up and, and purchasing their licenses and tags, or are they just calling it a wash and hunting in their own state? or another state. Um, I know, I know Idaho is one of the ones that one of the only states that has a uh, non point system draw. So you have just as better, just as good odds as anybody else. Um, So that's why a lot of non residents like to apply here. And we and we do have a lot of over the counter tags. So and I I think I think it is going to affect some because a lot of those hunters that come in like just last year and the year before I've seen more plates from California, New Mexico, Colorado, and basically every state around us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're doubling every year. The amount you see. Yeah, I, you talked to a gentleman last season that came from California, I believe. Uh, it was, uh, Arizona, the Arizona. The, yeah. Out when I was elk hunting, he was, uh, I, he was deer hunting down there. <clears throat> and I, I talked to a guy that's been coming here for the last five years. I talked to him here, here in town, but he was filling his truck up and he, he's retired. He stays here. He's from Washington. He stays here until he fills his tag. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and that's the same with the guy there from Arizona. He comes up here for the whole deer season. He'll mm-hmm. stay up there in his camper for two months or so, and just uh, he'll get a few weeks of scouting uh, ahead of the season. And then when opening day, he'll go and fill his tag, and then he just hangs out. He just has no no rush to do anything, which is really nice. I'm jealous of that, but uh, – but yeah, he comes all the way up from, from Arizona and then goes hunting down in Arizona. But, Which is a uh, wonderful resource for, you know, the out-of-state hunter. Really, it is. To come to Idaho and have, 
all this time, be able to get get tags. That's a big, big part of it is they can get them here. Exactly. But on our end, it would be a little nice sometimes to see a couple less trucks on the forest roads and you know, and and, and, and less I, people on the paths. Yeah, and you know, so I I drew that elk tag last year, so I was out pretty early. Um, <clears throat> I was out before my deer tag or uh, the deer open season. And so during my elk scouting, I was also scouting for, for deer because it was going to be sort of in the same area. Yeah. And, and I, I found two very nice, very nice bucks. And as soon as opening day hit that whole Ridge was, there's a, a road that follows that Ridge. It was covered in vehicles and they all had out of state plates, most of them from California, which I was really surprised about, but it was just, it was crazy. And then I ended up, I saw one of the bucks and he was flaying like crazy. He was gone and disappeared. So, and shortly on his tails, there was somebody chasing him through the woods. I was like, all right, this is, this is nuts. So, so yeah, so it's, it, you know, and it could be just that one area. It's just a real popular area that just got overcrowded. So it but, kind of, you know, that is one thing about, especially in our area of Idaho, it's so accessible to the main highway. It really is. Yeah. And it's the main drag of the highway, if you will, comes straight through the main units that we like to hunt and that yeah. have a close access to, you know, I'm so, sure I would be very surprised if Northern Idaho closer up in the panhandle, they're, they're getting a lot less hunters from California. I'm sure in States like that, I'm not just picking California, but yeah, California and Utah and all those places, because I mean, you have Montana and Washington right there, but they're pretty rich areas too. They so are. the hunters are probably staying in the area if they live in Washington or um, Montana. So I, I feel like, you know, you just kind of catch that corridor of good hunting slash very accessible. Exactly. Yeah. And, and really it's, I don't know. So it forces us to go deeper and get away from the, the heavily beaten path. So trying to get back there and find those pockets of secluded wilderness and whatnot that isn't really overrun yet so and hopefully it never does hopefully those those places stay pretty well secluded for us anyway or at least locals and i'm, I'm not gonna get mad if there's out-of-state people non-residents out there because you know their tags matter their their tags go into the system and and help support the state and the fishing game here so exactly so it's it's you give know, it it's give and take so that's a great way to think about it you know you have to remember that every dime that you spend that you don't bag an animal that money goes back in the fishing game so. exactly and you know that's kind of my mindset on the wolves too because if I don't harvest a wolf this year. At least those two tags that I purchased, that money goes right back into the system and it goes to, you know, the fishing game knows where to find the wolves. So if 
they need to, in an emergency situation, go in and control the population themselves because hunters aren't doing it, um, then they can go in. They've got the funds to put fuel in their helicopter and go up and, and find them and take care of the, the population. Um, but the fact that they're giving hunters the opportunity to go and do it, that's, that's great because I know that some states will just go in, they'll hire one hunter and be like, hey, this is where they're at, go, go take care of it. And then all the other hunters. Biggest guide name and they give that person more money to. Yeah. And then all, and then all the other hunters are like, well, where was our opportunity to do that? So, so it's, it's, it's good that they're giving the general population of hunters the opportunity to go and, and hunt it because it is fun. It's exciting. It's, it's a hunt. Um, But like I said, if I don't harvest a wolf, if I don't harvest two wolves for my two tags that I purchased this year, at least the money goes back into the system to support their efforts. So, and I think that that way pretty much about all my tags and I was like, you know, it's always a bummer when you don't fill a tag, but, uh, but at least you're supporting, supporting the cause that we all do this for. So, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, so, oh, that was a pretty good rant <laughs> about overpopulated hunting areas. You know, I think that's the beauty about talking about hunting and any outdoor type subject is there's always a nice rabbit hole to just jump on down. Uh, yeah. Convenient, especially for us. We like rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Always a good, healthy rabbit hole to jump down. Uh, especially especially here in Idaho, there's a lot of holes out there in the desert. <laughs> Whether it's uh, whistle pigs or burrowing owls or groundhogs or good God almighty. Or <laughs> ankle twisting. Oh yeah, ankle twisting, ripping the suspension out of the front of your track, stuff like that. Cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, all right. So, so wolf hunting, uh, that stuff, uh, I'm, I'm going to start scouting for, so I put in for that unlimited archery pronghorn unit down here in Southern Idaho. So I'm going to start scouting that area. I've already started to e-scout, uh, looking for water holes out there because it is in the middle of the desert. So, um, I'm going to focus on water holes, try to locate where they're hanging out, if they've got a pattern of any type, and uh, I go down there. It's a huge unit. It is pretty much the whole middle of the, the state here in southern Idaho, so it's a big unit. I have to go down and, and do some scouting ahead of time. It's uh, yeah. I want to say it's like a 15-day 15, 15 hunt for that one. So, and being, ar- being archery, that's going to throw, uh, throw some more challenges in there. So I know yeah. there's a, I know there's a lot of people that archery hunt pronghorns, but they've, they've got it figured out already. So this is my first time even going after pronghorn, let alone with archery. Yeah. It's a close distance on an animal. It doesn't <laughs> like yeah. to get close. Exactly. If it was a rifle hunt, I wouldn't be as stressed out about it because I know 
I know I can, if I can see it through binoculars, I can get close enough to take a shot on it and, and drop it. But with archery, yeah, within 30 yards of it is, is where I'm going to be comfortable. So, yeah. So that'll be fun. I might get to play around with that ground blind that we built and set that up on a water hole and just hang out in that for a couple of days. Just so, work. Yeah. But uh, what units you, you put in for pronghorn, didn't you? I did. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see here. I put in for two units. So, yeah, I put in... Um, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to say which units, but yeah, I put in for two units. I have the it's probably a rifle yeah, one, the first one. I have a rifle and I have the same unlimited one you have. Okay, perfect. So at least we'll both in for what I put I think I put in for four units total between pronghorn and elk. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that, that would make each. sense. Yeah, that would make sense because here in Idaho, they only give you two options on your application, whereas uh, over there in uh, Oregon, they give you, I think it's five, uh, five choices. Which yeah, is I'm not sure nice. I didn't put in for Oregon this year. That's on the part of the budgeting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I figure if we're already going to be over there for um, the over-the-counter hunts, um, like I've, I've already got the, the El, Roosevelt elk and, uh, the deer tag. It will be over there for archery season. So over there on the coast. So that'll be a good time. But, uh, but I, I went ahead and I applied for, um, controlled hunt pronghorn for a couple of units over here in Southeastern Oregon. So it's not too far of a drive for us, but at least a little bit more of a a chance, even though Oregon does do a, a point system. So I've only, I've got a very, very, very slim chance being non-resident. So with no points, but uh, we'll see what happens. It'd be kind of cool. Those are all rifle hunts. So at least it wouldn't, wouldn't be as difficult. I just got to find the animals. Yeah. Speaking of Oregon, how does their, point system work with with active duty is it the same system you know you have better chances so so how they break it up is um so with the point system uh for controlled hunts 75 percent of the tags go to a point system draw so it's whoever has the the most amount of points accrued um, at that time, they are in the draw for 75% of the tags. And then the last 25% are random. So, so it, it breaks up the, the last 25% is just a complete random draw, just like Idaho. There is no points for those last, last 25%. So that's, kind of nice that they do that uh so then it gives sort of first time hunters or somebody that's applying for maybe a couple of years it gives them a better chance of, of possibly drawing uh however 
Um, I want to say that uh, non-residents only get 10% of the tags. Okay. So, so they fall in on essentially both. They, they fall into that whole uh, scheme of the tags, but it's only 10%. So it's very, very, very slim. Um, if you have a whole bunch of points built up, it gives you a little bit better of an opportunity because then you're 75% of the 10%. If you want to wrap your head around that math or it makes sense in my head. We're not, we're not going to do the math. That's probably not a good Wrong idea. topic. No, no, we're, we're engine mechanics. We're not, uh, not mathematicians. Yeah. Um, so speaking of airplanes um so yeah so that's how it works uh, as far as whether non-resident military members fall into non-resident or resident tags i'm not completely aware however when oregon during this covid thing uh oregon stated that they were going to be canceling and refunding all non-resident tags and licenses. Mine were still active. I never got refunded or canceled. Yeah. And you know, when I, I called them about that and they said that military could still apply. Okay. They didn't guarantee me anything. They said I could still apply. Gotcha. So, so I be had a feeling that they didn't cancel military, whether they just didn't, think about it or they didn't see that on their spectrum i or don't maybe, know maybe it's such a small amount be, that, that do it um you, you consider the military members here in idaho that actually are willing to make the drive out to oregon or from washington to oregon or california to oregon it's probably a very small amount and well, there are some you know military bases in oregon most of them are guard but they still have active duty members on them. Yeah. So they might, you know, if they're not a resident because they don't want to leave whatever state they're from, you know, they're technically, you're technically a resident if you're living in that state and you're in the military. And, and that's how they consider it too, is yeah. if you're stationed there, you've got orders there, you're a resident. <clears throat> that's how I get my <clears throat> resident tags in Idaho. I'm in, in the military in Idaho. I'm, was told to be here so i'm here i have now successfully gotten idaho tags and i can successfully get alaska tags however the seasons clash so i'm hunting idaho yeah exactly <clears throat> so unfortunately we don't have an airplane so we're not going to going to alaska anytime real soon <laughs> no. so maybe in the next few years we'll see That'd be fun. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I'm not sure exactly. I, it may just be that the numbers were so low on the military side that they were, they just said, eh, just let them keep it. So, or maybe we're considered resident I, as far as the tag, um, dispersal. So, but my tags are still valid. Um, after the, after the COVID outbreak, I went, I called them and I was like, Hey, so do I need to go into Ontario and go pick up my tags or whatever? And they're like, Oh no, we'll just go ahead and email them to you. 
So they went ahead and just emailed me my tags and everything. So everything is already printed out, ready to go. Wow. <clears throat> so, so that's still on. Um, I would definitely say Oregon is one of the states that's good for active duty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially considering the fact that, you know, they, they give you so much benefit, um, even not being stationed in the state itself. If you're military in New York, you can get the same military t- uh, price tags as everybody else. So um, I, I don't want to talk about rates too much on, yeah. on here anyways. If you're a military member, you can go find that stuff or you can contact us directly. It's very um, accessible. It's very so accessible. That. I don't want to rub it in everybody's face that what we get um, for for being military, but um, so Oregon is one of those states that really, really takes care of us. So, <clears throat> but uh, and and not a whole lot of states are that way. Um, no, they're I, I, not. And a lot of them are going away from it too. They are. Cause I know for me, I'm originally from Michigan. It used to be, I could get a fishing license just being in the military. And it was like a dollar for lifetime. Well, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. So now I have to pay out of state, non-resident prices. Okay. And it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. So, you know, luckily Michigan has enough like private lakes and I have access to them, but there's a lot of lakes that are really good for fishing or like I was contemplating going walleye fishing and whitetail hunting. I'm not going to do that now because the tags are too expensive. Yeah. And it's just, it's, there are, there are so many other states that do still take care of us or don't have that expensive of non-resident tags that it's still, it kind of pushes those other states out of our running for yeah. options. Well, even if you're not military, small rant, I don't believe that they should charge, other states should charge so much for fishing game. A little bit more, I can understand, maybe 10% more, but I mean... How much does it cost here in Idaho to be a non-resident and go hunting? Uh, I believe it's about $165 or so for a, a hunting license non-resident. That's not terrible. The tags are a little more the, expensive as well. The tags are a lot more expensive. You're you're talking about, I want to say it's around $500 for an elk tag. Yeah. that You know, so it kind of, I don't know kind of bust my chops sometimes because you might not be from a state that's good for hunting but you might have to be there for work so yeah so let me bring it up real quick so uh non-resident um hunting and fishing license is 240 dollars a just a hunting license by itself is $154. And then the tags. Well, I'm not going to go over all the tags, but like a, a bear tag is $186. 
a deer tag is 301. Let's just say in percentage, how much more does it cost to be a resident versus non-resident, you know? (laughs) Oh, it's horrible. It's really. In a lot of states, most states are like that. And I, I, I get it. I do. I understand. But, you know. The so, playing field really isn't even. Okay. So I, I get where you're coming from because I, I know it is, it's, it's frustrating for me looking at like looking at Nevada and being wanting to hunt elk down in Nevada or over in Utah or Colorado or any of the surrounding States. And even, even being military members our non-resident prices for those tags is still it's still pretty pricey. So if they were cheaper, so if it was maybe twice the price of a resident tag or a resident license, how do you think that would affect populations of the species in the States? Well, it would, it would significantly diminish them. Yeah. So in my, in my thought would be, you know, maybe have a separate season. I don't really know how you want to do it. You know, there's so many different ways you could do it, but a lot of states have the point system, right? Yeah. Well, in a lot of states also, you can hunt like Idaho moose, like Mm -hmm. all that, like a once in a lifetime tag. Yeah. Maybe if you were paying that lower rate, you don't get the hunt, get that rate, but once and back, use the tag, but once a decade. Okay. It's a way to. Gotcha. Just makes it a little more accessible for people. Although, I mean, if if you can't afford the tag, you probably can't afford to be there. So, exactly. So, if, so say if you had like that 10 year waiting period or five-year waiting period, whatever it may be. Um, So you bought it at resident price, and then you had to wait. I think what would possibly come up is, okay, so now we're losing all that revenue from those 10 years of somebody not putting in, and then all of a sudden, 10 years later, they go ahead and and get a license and a tag. Yeah, which, which is a great point. Um, I know there's, there's so many ways to look at this. It's like, you think about it and you're like, well, well, this could work. This wouldn't work. This could work, but that wouldn't work. And it's, yeah, I I guess the States do it the way they do it for a reason. They've been doing it a lot longer than I have. I'm not in the tag pricing game. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I, I know the, the point system gets brought up in that conversation as well to try to control uh, population numbers and whatnot. However, what many, many other states that have a point system are running into is a thing called point creep. And that's, that's a well-known satanic term that comes up with any hunter that's talking about a point system. And unfortunately, that happens with any point system because you have more people applying than tags are a, a, a given. 
So each year, the maximum point or the minimum point required to draw a tag goes up. So you may be buying a tag every year for 15, 20 years, and you'll never be at the point level that is required to draw a tag because there's so many people ahead of you or the people that just bought a bonus point rather than applying for an actual hunt. So just so that they could build points. So, so that's, that's a big, a big thing. Uh, I think yeah. the, point, the point system could work. It just, how do you reform it to make it work without the, the creep? Um, and really, I, I think the only, only way to correct that or maybe reverse the point creep at this point, because you don't want to just throw away all the people who have been applying for 15, 20 years and haven't gotten a hunt. You don't want to throw away their, their place in line essentially. Yeah. But I think the only way to correct that is more opportunity. So we need to work on um, boosting the populations of those species. Uh, habitat rehabilitation, um, helping them survive through the winters and, and making sure that they're surviving so that we can boost those populations. And then they can give out more tags and they can sort of, sort of cut the fat from the people that are in line. And then maybe we can get that point system under control. So I know we're here in Idaho where we don't have a point system. So we're theorizing how to fix the world problems in other states. But, uh, but that's really the only way that I've been able to see it as far as trying to prevent point creep. And the, yeah. po the population is continuously growing. We've always got new hunters coming into the game. So the point creep is going to continue and it's going to it's unless something changes it's just going to get worse so and you can't just give out all of the all of the tags right now because i don't think the populations could support that no so I, like you know, we said at the beginning of this rabbit hole there's so many different ways to look at this and the opportunity the opportunities the possibilities of how you could do something for hunting season resident non-resident it's it's endless the the options that you have it really is fishing game has yeah true true um so you got, you also can factor in there the success rates the harvest success rates so you know most people that go hunting they're they're not they're hoping that they fill their tag, but they know that there's that real strong chance that they won't. Yeah. So, so if, if you did just all of a sudden, just clear off the, the point board and hand out tags, obviously not everybody would fill a tag and I guarantee you wouldn't decimate populations, but you could put a huge dent in it. Um, so, but I think helping those populations, would be a really good start. So, but, uh, good point. 
And there's, and there's a lot of groups out there that you can, you can work with to sort of help those, those populations. Um, and a couple that I specifically support, um, not sponsored by anybody right now <laughs> because nobody knows anything about us, but I, I, I support Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. They're always doing things for, for elk. Um, they do stuff for access, land access. Um, we actually have a volunteer event coming up here in July that we're going to go up and do some uh, brush clearing to help some, some habitat. So, um, so that's a good one to, to do. Unfortunately, right now with the COVID, that's really affecting their revenue stream coming in for, for funds. So they haven't really been able to do a whole lot of fundraising. But, yeah. uh, but like those guys, there's 2% for conservation. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot more uh, species-specific conservation groups. But really just get out there and look and see, volunteer, uh, talk to your fit, local fish and game, see what you can do to help. They're always out in the field working on projects. So get out there and, and help with that. And if we can help the populations get bigger and we can get more opportunity for everybody to get out and hunt. So, but, uh, uh yeah. Oh God, I don't even know where we started. <laughs> I fired you up on that one. Oh man. Uh, all right. Oh shoot. What else do we got going on? Deer hunting. Deer hunting, you you put in for elk tags. Um, I couldn't put in for elk tags this year because I applied for moose here in Idaho. And that's one of their stipulations is if you apply for a trophy species, which is moose, goat, or sheep. Yeah. Sheep. Um, you cannot apply for any other controlled hunt unless it is a depredation or unlimited. So, which is how I was able to apply for that. Uh, pronghorn because that's an unlimited tag um, but you can still get over the counter so uh, so you applied for uh, for the elk and the pronghorn so if you're hopefully you're lucky and you get that elk tag and so you'll be out rifle hunting while I'm bow hunting so and if not we'll be all we'll both be bow hunting We'll be bow hunting for elk and deer here in Idaho. So, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I've got the elk figured out here in Idaho. Um, I, I, again, I may not even see an elk this year. So, but last year I think I had it figured out. We'll see so. how your, how your theory pans out <laughs> during elk, elk season. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I really hope so. I think uh, the nice thing about elk is, I don't want to say that less people hunt elk, but there are less people that hunt elk. You know, you have a lot of people that they're not looking to put a elk in the freezer. They want a deer. It's a little smaller to get their game fix. Yeah. They like that, you know, try to find the biggest mule deer, or mainly what we have around here. There's some whitetail, but. Yeah. So here at the real challenge is, when you go hunt deer hunting, there are so many people 
it is insane. Oh yeah. So deer, it's not that they're not there. It's just that there's it seems like there's it's many deer as there are people out there, or people as there are deer. That's true. Uh, there's definitely at least this last season, I definitely saw more more people than I saw deer. And that was pretty discouraging, at least for the area that I was in. So I found found more elk than I found deer. So so I don't know. Um, you know with elk, you got to be willing to really go the distance. You got to be willing to go off the beaten path and get back there in the country and be willing to put in the work, packing it out. So yeah. I Which think that puts up a barrier difference yeah. between elk, elk, most elk, and most deer hunter, in my opinion. So this isn't fact, but. True. You know, deer hunters, a lot of deer hunters, you got tree stand hunters, road hunting is really the big one. A lot of people drive up and down the road until they see a deer standing up on the ridge. They yeah. step off the road, you know. Yeah. Or path I, hunters. Path I, hunters I, are a big one too. I can I can see that being a real popular option for out of state hunters because they don't really know the area as well. Yeah. Cause I'm I'm thinking ahead so to us hunting over in, in Oregon. That's going to be our first time over in that area. We're probably going to get looked at pretty rough having out of state license plates, but, uh, but we're, we really don't know the area. So we're probably going to be doing a whole lot of road hunting, uh, finding points that we can get out to and, and bugle, see if we can get a response back. And then if we don't, we move on to the next spot to call from yeah um and then with deer we're not going to have a whole lot of time to be just sitting so it's going to be like okay well we're out here elk hunting if we see a deer we'll take it if not well we gave some money to fish and game but uh because deer really i don't know you can do the whole spot and stock game with deer but you know from what my I, I haven't done a whole lot of deer hunting in the past, but from what I'm seeing, it, most people that are successful, they'll go in and they learn patterns of the deer, where they're at every day, where they go to bed every night, figure out what trails they're using most often. And then that's where they put up their, their tree stand. And then they just go ahead and wait until they're in that transition period and <clears throat> harvest their animal. Whereas somebody coming from out of state that's only there for five days, they don't have the time really to do that. Uh, first, you have to locate them and then you got to watch them. You got to figure out where they're going. So that takes time. It takes a few days to do that. So, so I, can, I can see road hunting, trail hunting, stuff like that for being a real common practice and uh, easier practice for somebody that's not familiar with the area. Yeah. Okay. Which makes sense in that, in that. Um, <clears throat> because it, because it is a, a big risk, you know, doing your e-scouting, you know, you can, you can learn a lot from looking at, at Google earth and whatnot and, and doing your e-scouting and pinpointing areas that look good from, from the air. But if you're going to have to hike in four miles to get to that spot, 
and then it's it end up being a bust when you get in there you wasted all that time and energy maybe a day or two of possibly your week-long hunt that you've got i you know it's a pretty big gamble so yeah um you know if if you're able to draw in that unit that you applied for we'll have a little bit of a heads up because that's where i was last year um so i've got a little bit better idea of that area so we'll be able to get in there and hike in and have hopefully pretty good luck um now if we're out there archery hunting we might have pretty close to the same amount of luck but who knows we may have to jump over to a different area um real really fall back on that e-scouting and and try to find those pockets where we might find some animals yeah so only time will tell it will it will um so so yeah so we'll see what happens um uh, hopefully we actually get some time to go hunting this september you know with uh with work schedules and everything continuously changing um who knows you know if we're going to even be able to take time off to go so yeah it's it's a different subject <laughs> yeah it's a different subject definitely not for this platform but yeah so all right well um anything else you can think of you want to cover i know i've got i got houston slated for either later on today or tomorrow possibly okay um no, so nothing i can add I'm, be fishing so yeah i know <laughs> fishing i need to get out and do some fishing too i'm sitting busy around the house but all right well if you don't have anything um i, mean, I really we got lots of stuff we can talk about but i think we should uh yeah we're we're rolling up for today yeah we're rolling rolling up on an hour now so uh we should probably cut it off it's a lot of rambling without a whole lot of forward motion so yeah um save this as a <laughs> as a filler episode <clears throat> but uh Our welcome back episode yeah welcome back yeah welcome back there's donuts in the lobby and uh so all right well we will call this uh call this an episode and uh you know if any of our listeners out there, I know we've got a, a few of them that are, are faithfully listening to us jibber jabber on, on the podcast. So we really appreciate you guys following along. Uh, it's probably the same couple that started with us in the beginning, but uh, we're, we're happy that you're listening and getting something out of, uh, out of us talking. But yeah. uh uh, as, as always, if there are any topics that you would like us to cover, uh, or if you would like to be a guest on the show and talk about a topic that you feel strongly about, uh, feel free to directly contact us through social media. We are on both uh, Facebook and Instagram under the Active Duty Hunter name. Pretty easy to find. 
we try to stay pretty active on those platforms just to sort of keep you updated on what we're doing. We've been mm-hmm. pretty silent pretty much all the way across the board the last couple of weeks with everything that's going on. But, uh, but we will, as we start doing more, we'll be a little bit more active on there. Try not to fill your feed with a whole lot of garbage. So, but feel free to directly contact us if, if there's any topics you want us to cover, if you want to be a guest, or if you know somebody that would possibly want to be on the show that's a hunter or their active duty member that is a hunter or they're just getting into hunting, whatever it may be, um, feel free to pass on our information and so they can contact us and uh, we'd love to love to have something else to talk about and or somebody else to talk to and it's always a good time to get somebody else's point of view so we can go in circles all day long between me and andrew but uh, it's nice to have a nice to have a third wheel here every once in a while so all right well i think that's going to cover it for today's episode we will talk to you guys on the next one hopefully yeah hopefully next week (laughs) All right. Yeah. See you guys later. All right. See ya.